have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, I'm glad it's warm weather. You might want to relocate. Sound like you might get sick. But it is great to feel that warmth again, isn't it? It may not last. We're still in the middle of winter. But I'll take 70 degrees in the middle of January anytime. Amen? <laughs> Come on, Lord. It might be the imminent return of the Lord, right? Today, the sermon in our series, Chase the Lion is entitled The Ripple Effect, and we're going to be looking at 2 Samuel 23 and verse 8. That's our key verse today, so I want you to get there in those Bibles you held up and be ready for that when it comes. But um, I wanted to show you a a commercial, a 31-second commercial that came out in 2010. You'll probably remember it. But it sure has a a strong application for what we're going to talk about today. So, Jeff, if you could. When it's people who do the right thing, they call it being responsible. When it's an insurance company... They call it Liberty Mutual. Responsibility. What's your policy? Liberty Mutual. Not only anything about Liberty Mutual. I'm not selling insurance. But I want you to see that commercial because I think it's such a powerful reminder that one deed, one encounter, then can lead to another, to another, to another. And if you remember, when the commercial started, it was the black lady on the corner grabs the pizza guy by the arm. But she was prompted to do that because she saw something else. You see what I'm saying? So you never know what your one encounter, your one thing that you do, the difference it could make. You never know. Um, I don't know, in your house during the Christmas season, our kids, when we were growing, they were growing up, they would always huddle around the TV and watch these Christmas movies that you tend to see. You know, ours in our house was the Christmas vacation with the Chevy Chase and, uh, you know, where the tree goes up in flames and the squirrel gets loose in the house. And they got the big old dog, slobber dog that the uh, cousin brings or whatever. I can't remember who he is. but uh, He's the one that's dumping the uh, RV out in the sewer. (laughs) And then they they would see the one, the Christmas story about the little kid. And and mom says, you're going to shoot your eye out with that BB gun. And uh, I was reading a story the other day about, just got caught up in the story about uh, Christmas celebrations and Christmas things and made me think of our kids. And this particular family said, we do something, my kids do something that I've never seen any other families do. And he said, they watched the movie Inception. And, and uh, that intrigued me because the movie itself, Inception, is really a strange movie. It's a sci-fi type movie. It's, um, it's a thriller movie. Uh, directed by Christopher Nolan. It's really a strange choice for Christmas season, but this particular family, they like their kids like to watch that. And the plot line of of, uh, 
of this movie, Inception, is basically they're extractors. And so when they come, they infiltrate your subconscious mind and they um, extract information. And the target of the extraction is your dream life. How many of you have vivid dream lives? Oh, boy. Cindy can get up in the morning and she says, I dreamed last night. I sit down and I cringe because something I've done, I'm sure, ends up in that. And she never forgets any piece of it. I think some of it, once she's awake, she adds to it before she tells me about it. The other day she said she was, she was dreaming she was surfing. I thought, yeah, you said surfing. Cliff diving, that's even better. I told you, every vivid moment. But this movie, that the, the idea was to extract from the subconscious, from your dreams. And one of the characters um, has a friend named Arthur. One, his name's Cobb. His name is uh, friend's Arthur. It says we have to plant it deep in the subconscious. We've got to go even deeper. How deep? Arthur says. Cobb then says three levels down. Arthur responds to that statement by saying, "A dream within a dream within a dream." Is that even possible? Now that. Statement, I'd have to say yes. It really comes from a stanza in Edgar Allan Poe's poem, A Dream Within a Dream, written back in 1849. Can it really can God really get down in where we think, where we dream? Oh yes. Do you realize today that Muslims are coming to the Lord? In, in a more rapid succession than we are ever will hear about. One reason is they don't want to publicize that they're Christians because they'll be killed. But they're coming to the Lord because, <clears throat> not because an evangelist has come and shared the gospel with them. They're coming to the Lord because in a dream, God comes to them. Now, you don't believe that happens? The Bible says it happens. They're going to dream dreams. God can come to you in the deepest thought process that you might have. Today's the second message in our series, Chase the Lion. Last week I talked about Run to the Roar. talked about Benaiah. Uh, in next week's sermon I'm going to talk about Eliezer. But today I want to introduce you to a, a man named Joshua. J-O-S-H-E-B or Joshib. I'll say Joshib. In verse 8, chapter 23, 2 Samuel, Joseph Bashibeth, a Takamonite, boy, it took me a while to get that name out, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Is that not a Incredible story. Can you build a movie off of that? You bet. 800 to 1. 
Now think about that. Think about that. You know, those are, that's a long shot in betting. Amen? 800 to 1. And if you win, you're going to take home a pretty good pot of money. Amen? You can bet on that old nag, Nelly. 800 to 1. And if you bet, some of you guys help me with the math. I can't do it. If you bet $5 on 800 to 1, what are you walking away with? How much? Jeebity. What if you put $100 down? Four hundred thousand. What if you put a thousand down? It sounded greater all the time. Right? <laughs> but how many of you think betted on old Nelly at eight hundred to one? Not very many. At the least, you'll throw a dollar down, hoping for the best. You see, impossible odds is where God shows up the most. Impossible gods will set the stage for God's greatest miracles. You remember the Hunger Games and the motto of the Hunger Games? May the odds be ever in your favor. You see, if God gets in it, and you can't do it, but God can do it, God's going to get the glory. The whole glory. And God, unless God does it, it just can't be done. You've had an illness in your life. And you've prayed for God to heal your body. But if God didn't intervene, you wouldn't be healed. Oh, there's medicine. And there's prayer. But there's a third element all the time, and that's God's healing power. And when you couple prayer with God's healing power... Let's pray. Father, the lion roars. And we pause. And we reflect on how powerful He is. On how magnificent He is. And Father, we just pray that we will be humble before His majesty. That God, You will see in us a faithfulness that causes Jesus, our Lion of Judah, to be prevalent in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Unless God does it, it can't be done. Most of us avoid situations where the odds are against us. Amen? Let's be honest, we do. If it doesn't look good, we're just going to move on. I remember growing up and getting my driver's license and getting out in my car. The first one I bought was an old uh, 64 Chevy, I think it was, 65 Chevy. And uh, I thought I was King, King Kong, you know. I paid 250 bucks for it. Tells you what kind of car I had. But I'd get up to the stoplight, you know, and you'd do the rum, 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 rum. And I thought I was going to take on a Mustang one day. Had them, man. Had them. Dropped that thing down into low. Uh, glass pack mufflers. Got a little bit of rattle in that. Light turned green. Boom! 
man. <laughs> I didn't go anywhere. So it was all right. Mustang won. It was great. Maybe I should have prayed to God first. You see, if, if Joshua went one-on-one with another person and won the battle, they're not going to write a story about him in the Bible. But when you do a guy, when you go and you've got 800 people surrounding you and you're the only one with a spear, that's impressive. So impressive, God put it in his Bible. See, my point is don't run away from 800 to 1 odds. Don't be afraid. Now I want you to look at back to that verse, verse 8, verse, and, and verse 20, chapter 23, verse 8. I want you to look at two words at the end of the end of the verse. One encounter. You see it? One encounter. So you are one encounter away from absolutely an alternate reality of how God works. Here's what I believe. I believe God is ordering your footsteps. I believe God is preparing a work for you in advance. I believe God is strategically positioning you right now for the right place at the right time. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in providence. And because I believe that, I like to live in a holy anticipation of what God's going to do. See, our church, and many of you have seen it, and many of you have said something, our church is dwindling in number. <sighs> Must be something wrong. Must be something wrong. Hmm. Yeah, there is something wrong. We can all point a finger and tell us what's wrong. But here's what I think. God's got us at an 800 to 1 odds. <laughs> There's a lot of people that want to come to the Lord and want to come to church, but they'll come when you invite them. Well, I've invited, preacher. I've invited and invited and invited and invited. Keep inviting. A truism in sales is for every ten calls, you might get one. For every ten, you might get one. So if you haven't made ten invitations yet, come on. Well, I just don't know that many people. Well, then broaden your, broaden your horizons out there. So keep inviting. Keep praying. Pray for God to strategically place names in your heart that you can begin to invite to church. Now, they may already be going to a church somewhere. That's fine. Invite them anyway. Maybe they won't like where they're going. Maybe they'll come and like the family the atmosphere that they feel here. I get that from a lot of our first-time guests. Gary and I were talking this week, and we wonder, how can we get them past the first-time guest thing? Well, that's a God deal. But we've got to make sure that we're doing what we can on our side to help them feel the way they should feel and want to come to church. I want to be at this one over the bigger ones or over whatever. And one of the best things we can do is, number one, preach the Word of God. 
Number two, make everybody feel welcome. And number three, actually it should be number one, we need to be praying. We need to be praying. And that's what I've learned along the way. That when you have insurmountable odds, and it doesn't look like there's any way you can do it, is when God shows up the most. Now, how many times do you pray from Sunday to Sunday about the next Sunday? God, would you fill our church with people? God, would you raise the offering higher than we've ever received in any Sunday? God, would you bring people to the front to accept you as, as, as our Savior and be baptized into Christ? Father, would you begin to do those things? Are you praying that week in and week out? Are you doing that from Sunday to Sunday? If not, start. If not, start. Do you really want it to grow? Do you really want it to be different? Well, you want it to... Yeah. Heck, do we have... What would we do with double next week? What we got, Jeff? 40, 40 today? 45? 32. So 64 next week. Then all 64 of them come the next week. And then they bring somebody. Now we're up. Well, you see what's going on? In two or three weeks, the whole thing can change. Proven statistic, 86% of anybody who goes to a church, joins a church, connects to a church, comes because the preaching is so amazing. 86% come to the church, stay in the church, connect to the church, because the music is unbelievable. Smoke and fog and lights and lasers and... The drummer sealed in a plexiglass container with a lid on it because it's so loud. So upbeat. And the room is dark. That's why they come. 86% of people come to the church for the first time, join the church, be baptized into Christ, connect to the church because... They have such a fabulous leadership team of elders and deacons and servers. They come to the church and connect to the church because they have the best fried chicken you've ever eaten in your life. They come, statistically proven, they come for the first time, second time, third time. They connect and they stay with it because they were invited by a friend. 86%. And I told you what would give you a guarantee that they'll come. Offer to feed them before church or after. Or both. See, if you take them before, then you drag them to church where they'll feel guilty, so they'll come. And then you're going to feed them afterwards, so they'll hang on just because of that. See, you never know. Amen? But you'll never know unless you try. God can do immeasurably more if we'll try. I gave you two definitions for faith last week. First one is, faith is the willingness to look foolish. Should be the next slide there, Jeff. Faith is the willingness to look foolish. The second is, faith is the process of unlearning our fears. Now I want to give you the third one. Faith is taking the first step before God reveals the second step. Did you get that? You have to take that first step 
before God's going to show you what's going to happen next. Peter stepped out of the water. Why did he step out of the water? Jesus said, come here. So he steps out of the water. What's the next step of faith for, for Peter? The other foot. <laughs> the other foot. Now he's totally involved. And then he starts to... I wonder how many steps he took before he sank. You ever thought about that? I bet he was doing this number with his foot, don't you think? Checking out the... See if it has some solidness to it. You know, I got two. Okay, all right, man. How about this next one? Yeah. Many of us are waiting for God to make a move while God is waiting for us to make a move. And see, that's where we get stuck. The series was introduced uh, on the video by Mark Batterson. Mark preaches in Washington, D.C. I don't know how in the world you can be a Christian in Washington, D.C., but that's where he's at. And he wrote the book, Chase the Lion, that we're, I'm using things from. He shares some stories in there. And this one is just, it just fits to a T exactly what we need to make this message make sense to you. And so I'm going to tell it as though I'm Mark, okay? So he was in church and he, and he stood up and he says, I want to share a story with you so that we can see what God does in our lives to create a ripple effect. He said, I'm gonna, I want Renee uh, Reed to be introduced to you. Uh, she leads a mission organization called Global Outreach, and they needed $15,000 to complete construction on an orphanage in the Congo. And she pr- asked that and prayed that prayer or made that statement in 2010. Mark says, I was praying for her a miracle. And then the Lord stopped me. The Holy Spirit stirred his spirit saying why are you praying for something when you can do something about it so he said after he prayed the church took a special offering and one week later they gave Renee a $15,000 check one week later Renee had her miracle but here's what makes it even more fun he goes on to tell the story in 2011 our church sent their first mission team of 13 to work with the Congo Center for Christ They got to dedicate the pipeline that brings clean water into the village. And the mission team of 13 was so inspired, they came back and did one of these, it's called Tough Mudder, M-U-D-D-E-R. It's a kind of a CrossFit type thing where they draw through the mud and under barbed wire, and I don't know why they do that. But they raised funds. They they did one of these, and they raised $4,000 to help this uh, Center for Christ. The church then turned around and invested $51,400 in that ministry that first year. And then 2012, we sent a team of 18. One of the people in the team met with a boy named Noe, whose hips and legs were out of line because he was born with polio as a, as a kid. He, he contracted polio as a kid. So a team from the mission group traveled the Congo across land and water and they consulted with doctors who were able to do surgery and restore Noe's mobility. Noe had his miracle. Church got home. Team got home. They did another tough mother raised 90000 this time. Church added to that $50,550. He must be in a big old church. Amen. In 2013, Sarah Bayard, who was 
at the time working in, in Mark's church as the church office manager and co-leader of the Congo team quit her job at the church to chase her 5,000 pound lion called Kachiko. She used her creative gifts, entrepreneurial uh, spirit to start a business that provided scholarships for under-resourced children in the Congo. Now the word Kachiko means smile and I think it brought a smile on God's face to watch Sarah launch out like that took the first step now when Sarah stepped out in faith Mark says he got an email from someone who had just started attending the church her name was Lindsay and she felt led to invest in Sarah's startup business how much money $15,000 So it was easy for the church to turn around the next week and give her $15,000. One person. 2014, a team of 16 helped build Mango Tree School that serves 200 students. 2015, the first high schoolers graduated and the church helped scholarship them so they could attend university in the United States. One encounter. One encounter. See the ripple effect? That's called precession in physics. I am not anywhere close to even understanding what all of this means from the scientific description of it. But it's called precession. And what precession is, is when you drop a rock in the water, you get an initial ripple, and then you get other ripples that come after it, right? And that's true in our lives. Every action we take, every decision we make, has a cause and effect that echoes beyond our ability to comprehend it, our ability to control it. It just goes out. I hear all the time when someone has had an affair, whichever side it is, doesn't matter. Here's their statement. It only affects me. It doesn't affect anybody else. That is a satanic lie from the pits of hell if you're married and you have that if you're unmarried and it has that and you have that and you sleep with a married person here they go can God forgive you absolutely does he all the time but you're you're listening to a lie from Satan himself if you believe that my actions don't have any effect on anybody else. And you're lying to yourself. What's that up there in the front, on the right, in front of you? Go ahead and say it out loud. Very good. It's the cross. I was hoping you'd focus on the cross. What, a speaker? Or, you know. It's cross. I probably should have walked over there and touched it. That would have helped. Did that cross have any ripple effect or was that it? Once and off, it's done. It still has a ripple effect. Our actions, our inactions, our decisions, our indecisions cause ripples to move out from us and affects so many people. Renee Reed had no idea the ripple effect of her one prayer, her one act of obedience. 
her step of faith and what it would set in motion. A dream within a dream. And here's where I want to push the envelope with you today. You are one risk away from a totally different reality. You are one idea away from a totally different mentality. You are one decision away from a totally different eternity. Live once to die twice or live twice. I mean be born twice to die once. Born once to die twice. Born twice to die once. That's the decision. That's the decision. Let's go back to Joshua now. I don't think Joshua was looking for an 800 to 1 odds. I don't think he got up and said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to kill 800 people today. I just don't think he did that. Those things just happen. But when it did appear, he didn't see 800 problems. He saw 800 opportunities. Because it's all in how you see it. I'll, I'll wait. It's all in how you see it. And what did he do? What's that, what's that verse say? He raised his spear. <laughs> Have you seen the Instagram pictures where you see the person in the front and then faded in the background is all the clutter and stuff or maybe people? I, I kind of envisioned the Instagram with him standing there with the spear and there's in the background all these 800 people. But he was ready. He raised his spear. I don't think Benaiah got up hunting lions that day, but he found one. And when he found it, he didn't run away. He ran toward the lion. Joshua ran toward the 800. Last week I asked you a question. Are you living your life in a way that is worth telling stories about? Let me ask you another question. What are you doing today that will make a difference a hundred years from now? What are you doing that's going to make a difference? Last week I talked about action or, or inaction regrets. I'm sorry. Inaction regrets. Things that you regret. When you enter up and be, just look back and go, man, I wish I would have. Boy, I should have. I needed to do this. Tell me the last time you were uncomfortable. Because the last time you were uncomfortable is the last time you grew. You grow when you go through discomfort. This, for two years, God's been getting my attention. With this foot, surgeries, in, in, uh, infections. God's been getting my attention. All the time. I can't get up from a seat, a seated position, without God reminding me that I've got a problem on the bottom of my left foot. I've walked on my heel. I've walked, and now I'm walking on my tiptoes. I'm doing everything I possibly can to not step on that area that's on the bottom of my foot. Folks, that's a tough task to do. I've told God, come on now. You're the God of the universe. You created my foot. Put a pad under it or something. Help me out here. And God says, keep walking on your tiptoes. Thank you for your prayers, by the way. Because my the hole in my foot in one week shrank from 12 to 9. Now I'm hoping this week it's going to shrink from 9 to disappear. 
It can do it in a week. But you know how hard it is to walk everywhere on your on one foot and a tiptoe? And your other foot's messed up too. So every day God's reminding me, hey stupid, now you're suffering from the ripple effect of your life when you were 15. Got it? Doctor told me at 25, change your ways or at 40, you're going to regret it. I saw that doctor when I first moved back to Tulsa. Reminded me of what he said. He said, man, that was pretty good advice. I said, yeah, I wish I'd have heeded that. Here's that regret, right? Here's that regret. Tim Scott is the first African-American in the U.S. in our history who's been elected to both the House of Representatives and the Senate. But he had to defy odds to do that. He grew up in a single-parent household with a mom who worked 16-hour days just to put food on the table, struggled academically, failed English and Spanish. He said, that doesn't make you bilingual. He said, it makes you bi-ignorant. <laughs> but in the eighth grade, there was a teacher who spotted political potential and said, you ought to run for student council. Those seven words changed the trajectory of Tim Scott's life. You never underestimate the power of one well-timed, well-phrased word of encouragement to anybody. All my coaches here. You know, you've got a player that can play better than what they're playing. And you somehow I've got to say something to them that will cause them to believe that. And there will be that one time when they will remember that word and all of a sudden, boom, they'll do it. And you sit back and go, there it is. They come off the floor and go, thank you. Thank you. Because what you did was create now a ripple effect in the rest of their life. Because what they thought they couldn't do, you showed them they could do. And by golly, they did it. Woo! Mark Batterson said he was speaking at a conference in Washington, and they had a Q&A time with Tim Scott. He was there. And Tim said, I'm a big believer in writing down vision. And that's what he did when he was 19. Tim's mentor at the time was a Chick-fil-A operator named John Moniz. He had a dream of positively influencing one million people. And one of those million was Tim Scott, a teenage kid who could only afford fries. John gave Tim free sandwiches and then a steady diet of godly wisdom. And when John died of a heart attack at the age of 38, Tim picked up John's dream and he wrote down that second generation dream. He said, I want to positively affect the lives of one billion, with a B, one billion people. That's, folks, a 500-pound lion. That, folks, is against all odds. Tim is now, however, making decisions that directly affect the lives of 320 million Americans. And those indirectly will affect billions around the world. Every David needs a Benaiah, every Tim Scott needs a John Moniz, 
And somebody, somebody needs you. Success is succession. Success is precession. And I don't know what you need to risk. I don't know what decision you need to make. But I do know this. Faith is taking that first step before God will reveal that second step. Renee Reed needed to walk an aisle. Sarah Bayot started a business. And John Monas ministered and mentored a teenager. But each of them raised a spear in his hand or her own unique way. And my challenge to you today, and God's challenge to you today, is will you raise your spear and be ready for the fight? Father, I ask you this morning, please, please, Father, this morning, would you touch someone here today? Would, Father, they sense an urgency within their heart to create a ripple effect to those around them, those who will be influenced by their words and by their actions. Father, would you create in them a desire to even want to create an ripple effect? Father, would we have the courage in the face of all odds to raise our spear? God, would we, against all odds, choose to lift our spear and run toward the lion. It could be a lion of finances, of family, of job, personal decisions. I don't know what it is, God. I don't know what lion they're chasing or need to chase. But I know one thing. That if we never stand up, if we never connect to you, we're not going to affect anything. But that one encounter with you can change not only our lives, but potentially millions of people. Is there one here today, God, that would say, I need you, I need you, I need you. Is there one here today that would just come forward and fall on their knees and just begin to cry out to you because they're broken? They're carrying chains of bondage from the past. That The cross shattered those shackles, shattered those bonds. Is there one here that would say, God, I want to make a difference. You know who they are. Would you touch them today in Jesus' name? Amen.